Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good morning, Northern Maine. Welcome to the Northern Maine Landman Show on the Constitutional Radio Network, Conscience of Maine. Broadcast today on the Talk Show Radio Network. Get it on the Internet. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year for your listening pleasure. So you're hearing this originally live, 9 a.m., June 9th, 1917, excuse me, 2017, wrong century. I started out in the other century, so. Anyway, June 9th is a milestone for me personally because on June 9th, 1953, my parents' house was destroyed along with lots of other houses in the great Massachusetts tornado. 114 people killed. Next door neighbor's house two-story house was totally demolished, gone from the foundation. <clears throat> and the water was shooting straight up in the air about 30 feet. It was town water right there. And, and uh, she came walking up the street <clears throat> in shock. She had a two-by-four about three feet long, broken off on an angle, stuck right through her from front to back, carrying her baby alive, walking up the street. And... I uh, I was 11 years old, so I walked her out to a, a paved road, and 
first car that came along didn't want to let her in the car because she, he didn't want to get blood on his seat covers. And even at the age of 11, I says, you won't take this lady to the hospital? I mean, she had a two-by-four stuck right through her. And she was walking. And she was in shock. So then next car came up. Says, oh, my God, what happened? I says, there's a tornado came through here. It was half a mile away, or maybe a quarter of a mile away. You could never tell the tornado had passed by. There was not a leaf blown off the trees. So she went off to the hospital. I went back and, and uh, started checking around the neighborhood, checking on the neighbors. Guy just up the road had a brand-new Chrysler. He got it the week before, and it was sitting right on its top in the driveway. Picked that big, heavy Chrysler up. Back in 1963, Chrysler's were quite a lot heavier than they are today. And picked it up, dropped it on its top right in the driveway. Destroyed the house. And as I say, 114 people killed. My father was up fishing at a pond called Comet Pond. This was during the week, but he had the afternoon off. And uh, he finished fishing and got in the vehicle, headed home, and he started hearing the radio, has anybody seen this family? Has anybody seen that family? This family wants to know, tell their relatives that they're okay on the radio. He thought, what in the world is going on? Because he, from where he was, he'd seen a great big thunderstorm, a pretty impressive thunderstorm, but had no idea that there was a tornado hanging out the bottom of it. So it was, uh, it was, a, it was a disaster. And uh, in my lifetime, I've been through a few disasters. Just uh, here I am, all in one piece, thankful for it. We had a school board meeting locally last night, and it was a telling experience because we, school, I'm on the school board, but been on the school board for six years, just starting into another term, and we uh, we developed a budget, which we felt was a responsible budget. The school has, school district has three schools. Only two of them are occupied. So we've got a, a large building, multiple rooms, beautiful building, sitting there with no students. We've got an old building, it was built in 1953, I believe. It's in tough shape, needs maintenance. We've got another building that was built 27 years ago that is in fairly good shape, but it was built in a swamp and they've got septic problems and various other problems. You know, water doesn't drain well into a, into a swamp, especially in the wintertime when it freezes. So the school, the oldest school, is uh, has a septic problem in the wintertime. It freezes. <laughs> they tend to build schools on low-cost low land. You know, they don't build in the best places. And then the other school, the best school, got a good septic system. It's got a good well. It's got uh, larger classrooms, well-lit, and uh, the teachers don't want to move. They don't want to leave the oldest school and move it into a school that's the newest school, it's, part of it is old, but the, the two-thirds of the school is, is like brand new. 
we had a school board meeting last night, and the agenda said that, you know, consider closing a school. That was the first item on the agenda, because the whole budget hinges on that. And the budget said there was no room for public comment. This is a school board meeting. And we're just going to, the public is welcome to attend and observe, but they did not want to, uh, you know, they didn't want to have a big public discussion about this because it would go on for a long time, which it did. So the chairman of the school board said, well, we'll let the public speak two minutes each. Well, there's 70 people in the room, roughly. I didn't count them. But, uh, you know, 70 people, two minutes each. Well, there's 140 minutes right there. So two and a half hours. Well, one lady on the school board launched into a statement, and she was supposed to speak for two minutes, and the chairman let her go for 27 minutes. And then she was finally done after 27 minutes. So I raised my hand. School board chairman recognized me, and I I was ready to go for two minutes. And I got about 10 seconds into it, and this 27-minute lady launched into a tirade against me. And I said, button it, lady. I've got the floor, right? And the chairman says, right. So I told my tale in two minutes. It was pretty simple. We can't afford to run free schools, eat them, and keep the whole thing going with no students in, in one of them. Doesn't make sense. But in order to do it, with a cut in state aid, all schools, well, virtually all schools, are getting less state money, which is good for the state, and schools have to learn to adapt. I mean, we've got some pretty fancy accommodations in some schools, and we've got too many teachers because we've got roughly twice as many teachers as we need in many school districts because when you've got eight or ten kids in the classroom it's about time to consider cutting a teacher and uh, combining the classes now up in Whitta Pitlock formerly called Reed but it's, it's Whitta Pitlock ask, ask anybody where that is Everybody around here knows where the pitlock is, right on the Mattawamkeag River. Where the pitlock has three classrooms. You got K1 and 2, 3, 4, and 5, 6, 7, and 8. Well, the kids coming out of the K1 and 2 classroom actually learn kindergarten stuff, first grade and second grade. But by the time they get out of the second grade, they've heard this three times. And they've helped younger kids. And they have a collaborative, almost like a Socratic education method in that classroom. Then they go into three, four, and five. And I substituted in that school years ago, before Angus King went nuts. And uh, I substituted there. They can have a hard time getting substitutes up there because nobody wanted to drive that far. But the town office is in the same building. So I'd go up there and I'd look at the town tax maps and take some information down and I'd say, why do you go up there for one thing? I said, don't go up there for one thing. Go up there for three things or four things. So it's a, it's a nice little community 
and their school membership is declining. Students are declining. People are moving away. There's vacant houses, vacant church, beautiful old church just sitting there going to rack and ruin. So we uh, in our district, uh, we've got relatively small classes, and uh, it'd be easier to combine two classes. Have the fifth and sixth grade, for example, or second and third grade, whatever you know, whatever was efficient. When I went to school, I was in a class that had thirty desks, five rows and six back, and we got four Armenian students who came to our our school. They were adopted by parents of Armenian extraction. And the Muslims, the Turks, had killed their parents and massacred the Armenians. It was a genocide. And it took place over years. It wasn't just one great big thing like they had in Rwanda. They killed 600,000 people in Rwanda in a, in a few months with machetes back around 1993. A lot of people. Now, none of those Rwandans had glocks on them. Well, they wouldn't have died. The ownership and efficient use of private firearms prevents a great deal of violence in this world. And the massacres occur in places where they don't have firearms. Think about that. When they had the the riots out in Ferguson after that criminal robbed a store and was... was, uh, walking down the middle of the street after having robbed the store, police officer told him to go over and, and uh, get out of the street. You know, get up on the sidewalk where you belong. So the criminal, the thief, attacked a police officer, started beating on him, reached in the door of the cruiser, and finally the cop just had to shoot this guy. This guy was about six foot five and 300 pounds, you know. Newspaper called him the gentle giant. Well, he wasn't gentle, but he was a big guy, and he was a thug, a robber, a thief, and a bully. And they got video of him before this crime, and, and unfortunately nobody's got video of the actual shooting, but but uh, the cop was beaten up and finally had to shoot the guy. And the press goes nuts over police shootings. We had one here in, in the Brewer, Maine area. We was Orrington a few days ago, this week. And the guy barricaded himself in the house and uh, made some threats. And uh, I don't know all the details. But ultimately, the police shot this guy. He had threatened the police officers. But the thing is that this guy was in a house, very upset, disturbed, angry, for whatever reason. If they'd have just thrown a tear graph, tear graph, excuse me, tear graph, even say it, if they had thrown a tear gas grenade in through the window, the guy would have come out of the house. Or he would have shot himself, one or the other. 
People do that sometimes. They know they're going to go to jail and they just decide to end it all. But if they'd have thrown a grenade in there, they wouldn't may not have had to shoot the guy. Because when he comes staggering out of the house, you can't see, and they just grab him, you know. They used to do that often. I can't remember the last time that police officers in this country have fired a tear gas grenade. And if they got a big vehicle, you know, guys in the vehicle won't come out, put a tear gas grenade in there. He will come out. He'll come rolling out of there. Open the door, fall out on the ground because he can't see. Gagging and blowing his nose, groaning and moaning. He'll get over it, rinse him off, take him off to the hooskow. We forget the lessons of the past at our own peril. With our school board meeting last night, we had a vote. There were 15 people that should have been there. We actually started out with 15, and one lady had to leave because she had a child with her. Got to be 10 o'clock at night. She said, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to leave. So normally our meetings don't go that long. But after it was all said and done, we took a vote on whether to close the school. And the vote to keep the schools open passed by one vote. The voter was a person who was attending their very first school board meeting. Never been to a school board meeting before. And he voted to abstain, I think it was. But uh, if she devoted to close the school, we would have saved all four towns a whole bunch of money. Now everybody's taxes are going to go up. And unfortunately, the lady didn't understand all of the ramifications of what was happening. And and she regrets having voted that way, but, you know, the day after the election, you can't change your mind. You vote at that moment, and that's it. Vote's recorded, and you live with it. So we're going to get a big tax increase. Unless the legislature decides you're going to spend a pile of money on schools this year, and if that happens, it's likely that the legislature's bill will be vetoed. They want to have a budget by June 30th, and in the state of Maine, if they have a two-thirds budget, it goes. If they don't have a two-thirds budget, it goes before the governor, and he can veto it. And then they go back and they do something else until they reach a two-thirds consensus. We got we have money problems. We've got ninety five million people in our country not working. Now median income of those people who earn money, okay, then look at what we're looking at now. The ninety five million people not working are not included in this number. So the median income of people who actually work, uh is uh, is uh, not included in this figure. So the median income is up about 5%. 
but that's because the people that are educated and willing to work are working. And the people that we pay not to work, guess what? They're not working. We're paying them not to work. We need to change the system because we've got people coming in from all over the world to work here, and we bring them in on on visas. Now, the hotels and restaurants and all kinds of different seasonal facilities in the state of Maine are hurting for people. Because in the state of Maine, we've got a whole bunch of people that are being paid not to work. Now, we've got people who are genuinely disabled, not able to work. And that's okay. We'll take care of those people. I mentioned the guy that they found buried in a peat bog 5,000 years ago in, in Great Britain. I don't know if it was in Scotland or Ireland or England or where it was, but they found this burial site in a peat bog and this guy was buried very carefully dressed with fine clothing and with jewels and gold and stuff and this guy just just uh, was cared for all his life the person was crippled with rickets rickets the deformation of the bones because of poor nutrition as an infant and the bones uh, don't grow properly. They didn't know what vitamin C was. But this person was cared for, and we should care for our truly disabled people. We have we have people who are uh, have mental limitations, and we have work programs for so this person go out and and do simple tasks with the aid of a job coach for a while, and then this person could come and go live in a group home with some supervision. You know, they can't, they can't maintain a checkbook, but they earn money, and somebody needs to assist them in, in managing their funds. And they have to wait until the next paycheck to, to buy more things. It's, it's how the world works. And these, a lot of these, these people are well accepted and and function in society at their at the at the level of their ability. There's a picture in the in the paper yesterday of of a tall, very pretty girl going down the aisle to, to get her diploma at high school. And there was a young man beside her. It was obviously a Down syndrome uh person and this person uh, was going down the aisle to get his diploma with the rest of the class and I know of a child uh, a couple of decades ago that had Asperger's syndrome highly intelligent individual and had problems in social situations just he was not able to to meet all of the needs that he needed to meet. So the kids, the bell would ring, as they do in public schools. The bell rings, and you have to stop learning right then and there. Go do something different. In spite of the fact that they were absorbed in doing what they were doing, 
the end of the period, they have to stop learning that subject and go learn a different subject. They, uh, our school district here is, is, has many problems. All school districts do. But in rural Maine has a lot of poor people financially. Good, honest, hardworking people that don't make very much money. And their kids have fewer opportunities than the, the students down in Hamden or Herman, where you have doctors and lawyers and nurses and engineers live down there, and their kids are well educated. The family encourages education and respects education. And there are places, there are families that that don't have a high regard for education because they had some poor experiences when they went to school. So we've got about 90% of the kids in our school district are on free and reduced lunch because the family doesn't have a lot of money. So they give them free lunches or lunches for half off. We feed breakfast. We feed lunches. And that's a good thing. I think the school school lunch program is, is very worthwhile. Vocational education has the most bang for the buck. Because you get a kid that goes through Region 3 or whatever region they're in, and they learn welding. We had a student that came out of our welding program who won the state welding competition, won the national welding competition, went to Finland and came in third place in the world welding uh, competition. First and second were students from Red China. This guy was born and raised in Robscott County and came in third in the world. Wants to stay here. And he's working for a company that is uh, local in Penobscot County as a welder. And he is one heck of a good welder. And the most bang for the buck that we get out of public education in the state of Maine is vocational schools. They go half a day to the local high school, and they go half a day to the vocational school. And some of them stagger it, so they go all day at the local high school on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and then Tuesday and Thursday, they go to the vocational school, and then the next week it switches. they got three days of vocational school and two days in in local high school, and that can work. And these these young people coming out of vocational school earn more money on average than the average college graduate. Because so many of these college graduates go down to O or Bates, or Farmington, or Machias, or Fort Kent, or Presque Isle. They go to college for four years. And they take things like art appreciation, or anthropology, or liberal studies. Well, we've got plenty of liberals, but have you ever seen a job advertisement for somebody with a degree in liberal studies? doesn't happen. Well, they spend a pile of money, graduated from college with a pile of debt, go looking for a job. Say, what, what can you do? Well, I'm a college graduate. Well, that's fine. But 
what uh, what can you actually do? You know, you need to come to work five days a week and perform and earn your pay. And it, it just it's a foreign concept to some of these people. But the people with vocational educations know that they have to show up Monday morning at seven o'clock or six o'clock or five thirty with safety shoes on, safety glasses, properly attired for the task at hand, and they'll have their own welding apron or their nurse's uniform or their computer, and they'll they'll put in a good day's work and earn their pay. And they make good money. That subject didn't come up last night at all. wasn't mentioned. So they voted to keep all three schools open, even though one of them is not used. And they voted a budget that's going to increase the taxes in all four towns. And the taxpayers are going to get the rule on that. Sometime between now and the end of June, they're going to schedule a school budget meeting for the whole SAD, School Administrative District. There's hundreds of them in the state of Maine. And the voters are going to have to get to come to this school budget meeting, and they're either going to say yes or no. That's it. They cannot change it at the meeting. So the budget's going to be placed before them, and they're going to vote it up, or they're going to vote it down. That's it. Very simple. They usually don't last very long. So, It'll be interesting to see. They, uh, our, our superintendent here, we share a superintendent with two with a neighboring district. Because when they passed the law back when Susan Gendron was here and working for John Baldacci, they they passed the law that you can't have all these little independent school districts because we don't have as much control. We want you to have these big regional school districts. So I read the law, and I was on a school board, and I said, you know what? We don't have to do this. There's a better way. We can share a superintendent with with the district next door. We can share a special education director. We can share some of the office staff. We can share the maintenance of the buses. There's a whole lot of cost savings available here without giving up our right to determine our own budget. So that's called an an AOS, Alternative Organizational Structure. And that's what we have. There aren't very many of those in the state of Maine. People assume that everybody's in an RSU or a great big school like John Baps or something in Bangor. Cape Elizabeth, Falmouth, they have their own their own school district because they're big enough. They've got more than 2,500 students. What we have is an alternative organizational structure, AOS. And it works for us. And you could part ways because you've got your own budget. Neighboring district has their own budget. And you could say, you know what? We would rather go it on our own. We could do that. We could do that. The our superintendent was in a district 
that voted the school budget down eight times. They go back with a slightly revised budget. The people would vote it down. They say, you're not paying attention. Now, of course, the superintendent knew what was going on. He was paying attention. But there were things in there that the, the parents and the public did not want in there. And eventually, on the ninth try, they passed the school budget in May of the, of the next year. So they ran an entire year on the old budget. If they, shut, if they defeat the school budget, that doesn't mean education stops. They just go with the previous year's budget. And then they, uh, and then they keep trying and trying. And by May, they came up with a new budget that was approved, narrowly approved. But some of these people didn't want that school district to operate that way ever again. And they kept holding it down. So they passed it finally, and of course it was an increase in spending. So they had to, all of the teachers' paychecks had to be adjusted retroactively to the previous September. So you have September, October, November, January, February, March, April, May. And they had to pay everybody their back pay from the increases. And that, the people can dig in their heels and say no if there's something wrong with the school budget. And the school committee, if they're responsible people, will adapt to that situation and they will they'll have the... Uh, They'll have something acceptable to the citizens. Ultimately, in the state of Maine, we have something called home rule for the towns, and the citizens have the right to set the budget for the town and for the school district. And in some towns, they have separate budgets for the water district and the, and the sewer district. They're all separate. But it was a discussion with somebody on the Internet here made the statement that Eastern Maine Electric has the lowest electrical rates and the best service of any of the big utilities in the state of Maine. And several people replied, they said, well, you've got Holton and you've got Van Buren and you've got these various municipal power companies. Well, and some of those are lower. Well, that's fine. But they've got a, it's not a big commercial utility. It's a municipal utility. Well, if you, when you try to compare apples and oranges, you know, you're not going to come out with the same result. And it's like when you've got these schools or excess to our needs. If you've got a, a remote school like Kingman or with a pitlock or up there on the west shore of Moosehead, uh, right at the mouth of the Dead River, where that runs in, is a town. And they have a school, a nice little school. Why can't I think of the name of that town? Anyway, been there. <laughs> the, uh, 
Zion should be able to to uh, run their schools. The Constitution, the state of Maine, says that the local communities are responsible for educating their students. Thomas Jefferson, a long time ago, said that public education should be available for each individual according to his circumstances. So if you've got a family that is wealthy, we should still provide public education. And this person is going to come out of high school uh, probably better educated than the person that's going to work his life as a farmhand. But they should all be able to read and write. They should all be able to cipher, as they used to say years ago. They should all be able to vote responsibly based on their principles. Back in the old days, they were worried about the the development of, of political parties because the political parties uh, will uh, you know, lead to the opportunity for corruption and special favors for their members. And everybody should have the same opportunities. Everybody should have the same tax rate. But when you've got in college, if you've got a fraternity, those fraternity brothers cooperate with each other. When you've got a group of people cooperating with a, with a fixed goal, they're going to do better than, a, than, than an un, ungoverned mob of people. They just have, they just mang, they're angry. Mentioned Ferguson, Missouri. Ferguson, Missouri had a big riot after that thug was killed by a police officer. Self-defense on the part of the police officer, and he was acquitted. He was never, never found guilty of any mis- misdeed. I mean, he was trying to save his own life from this thug. It was trying to kill him. Well, you shoot him. And that's true of any citizen, you know. People say, why do you carry a handgun? The old guy says, because I'm too old to take a beating. And you shouldn't have to take a beating. Somebody attacks you, you defend yourself. By whatever means is necessary. That's human nature. That's nature itself. You know? Even the mouse will stand up against the cat and he'll probably lose the fight, but he's not going to roll over. And there's, there's some animals, that their, their method of defense is they flop over and don't move. And maybe the other animal will think they're dead and won't bother them. There are some animals that do that in this world. But most of them will stand and fight. And I like that, I like that term, stand and fight. In England... They had uh, three Muslims who took a car and they drove it across London Bridge, drove it up on the sidewalk and mowed down a bunch of people. And then after they mowed down those people, they jumped out with knives and started stabbing a bunch of other people. And the British bobbies shot these terrorists. And they had other terrorist acts in London at, at, at the same time. At that certain hour, they, this all happened. It was coordinated. 
And they had a lady who was the prime minister of England until yesterday. She's probably still going to be prime minister. But her party lost the election because her advice is to run and hide if they're attacked. And my advice is to stand and fight if you're attacked. It just happens to be the motto of the NRA lately. Stand and fight. You can do it with a pen. You can do it at the ballot box. But basically, don't give up. Don't quit. That's how we work. That's how we, we've, uh, we've, we've been victorious. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago a little girl that went to class and, and on her T-shirt, a sweatshirt rather, on her sweatshirt, it said, be calm, take the headshot. School went nuts. <laughs> I'm not going to belabor this point, but being on the school board, I just happen to like it. It said, uh, no, be calm, take the headshot. School, they told her to take the sweatshirt off. She's a sixth grade girl. She said, no, I'm not taking my sweatshirt off. Well, he said, well, you go in the girls' room and turn it inside out. Okay. So she did that. Next day, she showed up to school, same sweatshirt, turned inside out. Well, the school knew what it said on that sweatshirt. And they just it just bothered them that this girl had a sweatshirt, owned it. It said, be calm, take the headshot. Snipers call that a light switch hit. Just like turning off the light switch. Bam, headshot, go, out he goes. No longer a threat. Goal is to eliminate the threat. So the the following day, the girl showed up to school with the sweatshirt turned inside out. And they were just all upset because they knew what it said on that sweatshirt. You cannot wear that sweatshirt to school again. Just can't. Don't bring it to school. Yeah, solve that problem. The next day, 34 kids showed up with sweatshirts turned inside out. You guess what it says on them. <laughs> well, girl, she's going to be the mayor of the, her town someday or something. She, uh, she is an expert with her AR-15. Her assault rifle. Sixth grade girl is an expert with an assault rifle. There is hope for this country. We've got a lot of young people. We've lost a generation or two of people that goofed off in class ever since ever since Lyndon Baines Johnson brought in the the Grand Society because uh, Kennedy not John Kennedy, his brother, Teddy Kennedy, said we're going to have a law that says you know, we, we don't, we're not going to kick out the alien criminals. We're going to just let them stay here. It was an armistice. They let them stay. They're there. It'll solve the labor problem. It didn't solve the labor problem. So Lyndon Baines Johnson said, well... If we get all the minorities in this country and pay them to have kids, we'll have people that will hold jobs in this country, and that'll solve the alien criminal problem. 
So they did that. They started paying minorities and some non-minorities to have kids. Used to be that if a high school girl got knocked up, she went to see her sick aunt for a few months until the baby was born and the baby was put up for adoption and the sick aunt was all better and the girl came back to school again, finished her high school education. But didn't have any pregnant girls in high school back in those days because it's immoral. But along with common sense, common courtesy, morality has gone down the tubes in our nation. We're going to be paying the price for a really long time for this behavior on our part as a nation. And I don't know. I hope we can recover. We've got a a small groups of people in our nation who are responsible citizens, patriots, and lots of different groups organizing. And they don't they're not organizing within the traditional two political parties. The two party system is dysfunctional and these folks realize that. So what they're gonna do is is uh, they're gonna try to vote in their own people, independents. And New Hampshire has something going on called the Free State Project. Their goal was to bring in 20,000 people emigrate to New Hampshire. They'll help each other, help them get jobs, help them buy houses. They've got real estate brokers. They've got engineers. They've got teachers. And they've got uh, electronic people. And they're very self-sufficient people. They're not going to be on welfare. And they're welcome in most towns. Some towns really worried, nervous that they're going to be taken over by these these patriotic citizens. They don't want that. They want to be like this particular district that I live in. And they just want to spend more money every single time and raise taxes. It's in their blood. It's in their genes. They've done it for generations. They're called progressives like Lyndon Baines Johnson. They exist right down to the local level. The thing to do is get together a group of people, run a candidate, and defeat these people. It isn't easy to serve on a school board. It takes time out of your life, and and it, it's controversial, and you make enemies because progressives don't like conservatives. Like this screaming lady last night who went on for 27 minute, a 27-minute rant, and I just let her go. And this thing passed by one vote. Some people seek to, to uh, improve the education of their children through charter schools. They write up a plan of action called a charter. They say, we want our kids to be experts at STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. We have a school up in Limestone, Maine, called the Maine School of Science and Mathematics. 
And the kids coming out of there have a head start on college. And many of the, the academies have kids that go to college one day a week. And they they hit the ground running at college, and they start out as sophomores right out of high school. We had a girl here who finished up the requirements for, for a diploma after she was a junior. So she I want my diploma. I'm done. Oh, no, no. We can't give you one until you, until your class graduates next year. She's okay. See ya. And she went to nursing school. And she's making $55,000 a year right now as a nurse. So she's $55,000 ahead of her classmates who went on and got educations. If you can do high school in three years, let them do it. If you can do college in three years, let them do it. They'll come out with less debt and make more money. It's not hard to figure out. Simple mathematics. We spend too much on education and don't get enough for the results. You can look at how your school is doing on the State Department of Education website. And there are schools at the very top. John Baptist in Bangor. You've got Cape Elizabeth. You've got Yarmouth. You've got Falmouth. A bunch of schools around Portland. You've got one school in Portland that's very good. You've got one school in Portland that's very bad. Same city. People look at this and decide what neighborhood they're going to buy a home in based on how good the school is. And I think that's a wonderful thing. People are, adju- are advocating for their students. We moved into this district. I had a son that was a junior in high school. His older brother graduated and went on to college, but became an engineer out of the University of Maine in Orono. younger one uh, was entering his junior year. So they said, huh, look at this. they got a math team. I'll join the math team. The math teacher says, well, you you can't join the math team. You haven't gone through our program here as a freshman and a sophomore. Well, okay, he says. He'd come home, book a team of sled dogs, and go run sled dogs. The only kid ever to go to that school with a sled dog team. Kids go to Lee Academy. And they arrive by bicycle, they arrive by dirt bikes, they arrive by ATVs, they arrive by snowmobile. One student has commuted with a sled dog team, hook them up to a tree, let them flake out all day. There are kids that go from in the lakes, they go by boat to what they call the depot, the old uh, Dead River Depot on Sister Lobster's Lake. But you can go from Bottle Lake by boat into Keg, Duck, Scraggly, Junior, Horseshoe, Norway, Acumpus, and West Grand without taking a boat out of the water. And kids would come by boat to the landing. The school bus would pick them up at the landing. Those kids commuted by boat. 
In the wintertime, the same kids commute by snowmobile. The school bus driver will will wait until all all the snowmobiles start because if the bus drives off and the snowmobile doesn't start, the kid will freeze to death. So they they all take care of each other and look out for each other. There's a whole bunch of mailboxes right there, and the kids pick up the mail and bring the mail home by snowmobile or by boat. Kids come to school by boat. We had kids come to school by float plane. Float plane, parents had a float plane. They'd take the kids, drop them off at, at uh, on the beach at the lake, and the school bus would pick them up at the beach. Sometimes the clouds were too low and they couldn't come to school that day because the plane, you couldn't fly the plane. It's okay. During the ice out time in the spring, they used to send a teacher down to the pines on Lower Dobsey Lake. The teacher would be at the pines for three or four weeks when the ice got unsafe before the kids could go to school by boat. They had a teacher down at the pines. And kids from K through 12 would be educated by this teacher in the appropriate lessons. The teachers from school would send her down with a whole packet of stuff and the kids helped each other. As I mentioned, when I was a little fellow in the second grade, the 30 bolted down desks in the classroom, one teacher, no teacher's aides. These Armenian kids came in whose parents had been killed by the Turks. And they they came in, and and I taught one of those Armenian girls the alphabet, and along with the teacher. But but those kids who were were good at it would help the kids that were a little bit behind. And I helped that girl learn the the alphabet. And it started snowing, you know, it late in the fall. And, I told my mom, I said, this girl doesn't have any socks. So my mom gave me some socks to bring. I said, what size are her feet? You know, and I said, well, they're about this long, so socks sizes aren't that precise. So I took two pairs of socks in. wanted to give them to the girl. She wouldn't take them. So I gave the socks to the teacher. I said, look, she doesn't have any socks. <laughs> so the teacher gave the girl the socks, and she would accept them from the lady teacher, but she would not accept socks from me. Didn't understand why. It was a cultural thing. We've got a problem in our country with some charter schools. And it's it's a bad thing. We've got Muslim fundamental charter schools in our country funded by the federal government. Now, they claim that we've got a separation of church and state. Okay, This is a liberal idea, and it's not true. The First Amendment says that we have the freedom to establish, we have the freedom to practice our religion where and when we want. We have freedom of religion. So this guy named Fethullah Gulen has constructed, he's a, he's a multi-billionaire from Turkey, he's a fundamentalist, and he has established 
many, many charter schools in our country where they teach fundamental Muslim ideas out of the Quran. And they also teach mathematics and science. But these charter schools are Muslim schools. They will not let any English-speaking kids come in. They will not let any Christians in, just Muslims. And they're funded by the federal government, your tax dollars and mine. And the federal government is also funding prayer rooms in public schools for Muslims. You won't see the federal government establishing prayer rooms for Christians in public schools. Oh, no, they don't want that. Because the progressives don't want that. You can look at the performance of your local school and find out where you rank in the state. As I said, you know, some of these really towns with highly educated people, physicians and engineers and and, uh, and some police officers, and public servants of various kinds, but they're highly educated people, and they encourage education, and they support the schools. And the kids do well, and they go to get scholarships to universities, and life is good. But some schools are sitting back, and they're comfortable, and they're happy, because they get a pay raise every year, no matter what, because they're on the scale thing. So every every year you get somewhat of a pay raise. And the public is paying for medical insurance for the whole family. That's a good thing. They like that. And we can't afford it anymore, especially when you've got a school that's down near the bottom in academic achievements. There was a plan a few years ago for people to, for the state to come in and look at schools. Say, look, if you're in the bottom 10%, there's something wrong here. Because Maine parents are not the worst parents in the nation or the world. Maine kids are not the dumbest kids in the world. And all men are created equal. And provided by the by God with certain inalienable rights, and among these are I can't quote it exactly because I'm thinking about schools, but we've got certain inalienable rights that everybody is born with: life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Have a mental blank there for a second, but life is is being able to live and being allowed to live. From the time of conception to the time you finally kick the bucket as a white-haired old person, you got a right to live. You got a right to compete. You got a right to make some achievement for yourself. But some of our kids are getting the the dirty end of the stick, so to speak. Because some of these educators just sit back and they've got a lesson plan that they wrote 20 years ago and they just do it over and over again. It's like an actor in a play. 
the kids are not well served. When it comes time to take a test, a state-level test, they're unprepared for the test. Well, we should teach the kids to be prepared for the test. Teachers say, oh, we don't want to teach to the test. We want to all be free spirits and like, like each other and be content. Well, the world exists on a competitive basis, except for communists. Okay. They're just told what to do when you're done. Well, better do it or you're not going to get to eat. That's communism. Communism is socialism in a hurry. Socialists, under, under socialism, millions of people get killed. It's what they do. They want to reduce the world's population. They say that. And you don't have a whole lot of choice. Well, this show has been about education and our choices that we have to make. But we should not be giving one cent to Fethullah Gulen and his Muslim fundamentalist charter schools in our country. The guy's a multi-billionaire. If he wants to run Muslim fundamentalist schools in this country, let him pay for it. I don't think that's a good idea either, but I, so I sure as heck don't want to pay for it. This has been the Northern Maine Landman Show on the Constitution Radio Network, the Conscious of Maine. Brought to you today on the TalkShoe Radio Network. Just look it up. Google it. TalkShoe Radio. And then look for Northern Maine Landman on the Internet, and you're going to get about 260 hours of me if you can stand it. Is, that's how long it's been going. It's been going for five years now. So I'll be back next week. Good Lord will be willing and the river don't rise. Be safe. That water is still cold, people. We're losing people to cold water in the state of Maine. There's no need of it. Be safe. God bless.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.